You're listening to the Doc Lounge Podcast. This is a place for candid conversations with healthcare industry's top physicians, executives, and thought leaders. This podcast is made possible by Pacific Companies, your trusted advisor in physician recruitment. I am your host, Summer Gilbert, and I am the Director of Marketing and Branding here at Pacific Companies. And my co-host today is Pacific Companies Senior Vice President of Business Development, Mr. Harold Livingston. Today on the podcast, we're doing another Power of Partnership series, and our guest is a very special friend of Pacific Companies, Steve Jacobs. Uh, Steve is a senior physician recruiter for Einstein Health Network. So we have partnered with Steve for many years now, and if there is anyone qualified to talk about that important relationship between a healthcare facility and a physician recruitment firm, that would be Steve. So let's get started. Well, first, um, Steve, thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. And just so the listeners get a little bit more uh, comfortable with you, uh, give us a little bit of a history about how you got to where you are right now in the healthcare industry. So the quick version is I was an educator before I was a recruiter. And in 2003, that took a turn for the worst in terms of the economy and just wasn't the right place for me to be at that time. I was kind of just in the job market floating around. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And I got a solicitation from Merritt Hawkins about becoming a physician recruiter, something I knew nothing about. I knew I liked medicine, but I didn't know, you know, what a recruiter did or what that was, what was involved in that. Um, Fast forward, I get through Merritt Hawkins. I spend three years there. um, And then I come to Pacific Companies in 2006. Um, After um, my time, you know, at Merritt and getting trained there, I found a home, you know, with with Chris and Gary and John, you know, kind of bringing me along um, in a different way, a different way than than Merritt Hawkins had done it. Um, And during that process in 2008, one of my clients, uh, Korea Delta, asked me if I would come and start an in-house recruitment department for them, um, having been one of Pacific Company's clients for, I think, two or three years up up until that point. So I went to John and I said, listen, they're kind of giving me a, an opportunity to step out of the commission world and into a salaried position and I want to do it. Um, and he said, go ahead. And so that's how I got on the bridge to the in-house side. I built that program in Kauia, spent four years there. Um, I wanted more out of my career. I knew I wanted to be a director. So I moved to Ohio to be able to direct. Uh, unfortunately, didn't ask all the right questions of the group, which was about $22 million underwater when I joined them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, moved from, from there to Wellspan um, back in, what was that, 2012, 2013. Um, spent five years there, and now I'm, I'm in Philadelphia at Einstein. Wow. So, you know, healthcare is in your blood. You've been doing it for a long time. I've been doing it, you know, long enough to pick up um, – you know, I think Harold can attest to this. You just, you pick up nuggets along the way and you just tuck them away because you never know when you're going to use them, you know, when you need them. So you listen to 
conversations about immigration and you listen to conversations about, you know, 340B plans and Medicare and, you know, just all kinds of just keep your ears open kind of information. And then, you know, all of a sudden 17, 18 years goes by and you're like this hub of useless information at times. And and other times you're just, you know, you get to speak kind of expertly on, on certain things. Yeah. Um, well, we know that, you know, the subject of this podcast is to talk about the power of partnership. And um, we've seen time and time again, the foundation for success in physician recruitment is all within the relationship with a health system and a recruitment firm. So Steve, tell us about some of your experience working with recruitment firms in the past before you got with Pacific Companies. You know, it, it's, it's been kind of the fundamental principle of my career to find like-minded folks like myself that I can, that I can not only, you know, business connect with, but also personally connect with um, people who I, you know, can tell usually within a couple of minutes that we're going to be good for one another, you know, from a business standpoint that we, we get each other. I mean, Harold knows my sense of humor. I know his sense of humor. Um, those things are evident to me, you know, when I interview people and interview firms and, and look at agencies, I can tell right away when, you know, this person is, you know, either just about the business and it's about how many CVs they can send me versus, you know, Hey, this is a, this is a marathon, not a sprint, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is a long-term relationship that I want to be in so that you're coming to me with your searches on a regular basis and giving me, you know, the, give me what you, what you have because you trust that I can, I can do the job. So a lot of the times, you know, what you see is the sales part of what we do is a big part of it. And sometimes to our detriment, you know, people only see us as kind of used car salesmen and, you know, you're selling the jobs that your organization has. And in that vein, that's where it goes awry, right? So you've got the people who are just sales oriented. It's all they've ever known, all they ever do. And it's all about moving this widget into that, you know, product line and getting it sold to the customer, you know, hands down. But there's an entire industry around us where relationships are almost socially networked. It's like having your own, you know, your own Facebook for recruiting. There's only a finite number of people that do what we do, you know, whether it's, you know, whatever you want to say it is, 1,500, 1,800 people, you know, if you look at APPR's um, roll call for members, um, maybe all the way up to 2,000. But, you know, in a population of 350 million people, 2,000 people doing physician recruitment is a tiny, tiny little, you know, marketplace. And so we bang into each other. We see each other all the time. We, we pass information to each other. We review firms and we give information to each other. And Harold knows that, you know, and anybody who's worth their salt in the business knows that that's what happens, you know, in terms of how you deliver, you know, customer service. So I think that the piece of us that becomes professional, not just the sales part, but the professional side of physician recruitment has very much to do with the relationship building, you know, component um, and how, you go about, you know, kind of relaying the information that you need to relay, relay to the different, you know, entities. So I, I learned that, and I'm lucky having learned that on the outside and the inside. Mm-hmm. So I've been on the outside going to, to, can, you know, to clients and saying, this is what we can do for you. And they either believe me or they don't. And then I have the other side of it where I'm now the customer and Harold's coming to me and saying, 
well, we can do it. Or, you know, you believe that I can do it or, you, or, I, or I won't. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot of experience seeing, you know, both sides of it. It's very, it makes me very unique in this business because not a lot of people can say they've worked for an agency. And there's probably, I don't know, Harold, maybe 10, 15% of us, you know, on the in-house side that have done outside, you know, recruitment from a firm standpoint, maybe mm-hmm. less. Yeah, I mean, uh, Steve's a little bit of a unicorn there in that he's done both, even though when you look at the the number of AAPPR members and even people that aren't membership in the member that are doing it for community health centers or the VA and things like that, uh, it is rather unique that he he's one of the, I wouldn't even say it's 10%, might be less than that, Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe 5%, but they have that unique uh, unicorn perspective that they can see both sides. Mm-hmm. And and I always say like when when I'm looking to build a partnership, you know, it's and you have to define what's right. But I always look at, you know, how do you build the right, you know, R I G H T type of partnership? <clears throat> and there's really ten criteria that I go through when when doing that to build, you know, a very very strong one that I look at. And and number one is to be supportive and collaborative. That's the number one is to do it that. Uh, you know, Steve is not a commodity to me. Steve is Steve is my friend. And for us to have a partnership, uh, you know, there has to be a mutual reward in that partnership. There has to be uh, a morale building. I, you know, Steve and I have built the kind of partnership that when Steve's having a bad day or vice versa, when I am, I can call Steve and he goes like, and he'll answer the phone, call him on my cell so he knows it's me and he'll go like, okay, what do you want? <laughs> Jokingly. And I'll go like, oh, man, I am just having a day. It's, it's one of those days, you know, some days you eat the bear and some days the bear eats you. And I've, I've been eating. And he laughs. He says, oh, yeah. And, and, and Steve can do the same. And I've been blessed that I have a lot of people that fall under that. But, you know, part of that criteria is, you know, you're protective. I mean, uh, Steve's, uh, Steve can be very – he's very upfront with me. He's very straightforward with me, which is what I look for in a partner. That's a good partnership. And that it adds a catalyst that we can actually get things done and we want each other to be successful. Uh, but we don't look at each other as a commodity. It doesn't matter if Steve does business with me or not. If he calls me up, I'm going to take his call and we're going to discuss the marketplace. And hopefully I can give value to him as to what he's doing. It doesn't matter if he engages me on a search. And, and Steve knows that. I think one of the things out of the gate, Summer, it, it, is – a sense of, of shared ownership, right? So I come to you, I come to Harold and I say, Harold, I have this need. If it's locums or perm or whatever, I need you to fill it. You know, I'm not coming to ask him to see how many CVs he can send me. I don't yeah. really care. I need him to fill it, right? So I need him to then say, you know what? You give me the parameters. I have the parameters. Okay, I understand the job. I'm, you know, now going to put it back to the team and I'm now taking ownership of it, right? It's mine. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do our darndest to fill it. I know there's no guarantees in life. I'm not that naive to think that there are. But I know if, if Harold asks me more questions and gains more information, then he's taking ownership of it. The, the, the downfall that I see most of the time that happens with agencies who are more in that salesy mode is they, they get the basics and off they go. And they're like running in the dark. You know, and so then candidates ask them questions and then I get six emails back. Can you answer this question and answer this question? And then, and I knew it was going to be a disaster from the start. And so those now those people don't even get the light of day from me, you know, in terms of that, because they they're not going to enter into an, uh, a joint venture. 
And, you know, really that's what it is. It's a joint venture. You're going to put some skin in the game. I'm going to put some skin in the game. And together we're going to be successful. That's yeah. the goal. The goal is to be successful. And, and Steve and I joke about this, but it's, it's kind of like uh, for people out there that are married, it's like when you get married, when, when you both say I do, it doesn't end there. That's the beginning of that. That's the beginning of the hard work of the partnership that you have to move forward. And what I see from my side, the biggest mistake that people from, from my side of the recruitment, the firms do, they, they don't do their homework. They don't really take the time to understand what people like Steve go through. And, and I have to even train that with my recruitment team. Like, listen, if you send Steve an email Monday morning at 8 a.m. his time and he doesn't respond, by 8.05, don't be picking up the phone and calling him. <laughs> Give him some time because you need to understand the environment he's in. Uh, you know, I have some clients that, you know, like Steve, that they're very, very good in-house recruiters, and they might have people interviewing all week long, and they and sometimes they just don't have time to return your call because they have candidates in. And, Steve, you know this. You might have candidates in for three or four days in a row, and, and by the time you get a chance to really look at your email and go through everything, you could have a thousand emails. Oh, yeah. very easily. And very easily, you know, I think the hard part for, for the firms is, you know, every candidate has a, an egg timer that gets flipped the minute you in, engage them, right? So the, it's like fine wine or cheese or whatever. They age and they age quickly. And the hope is that they don't, they don't go moldy. You know, you hopefully you're, 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 you're doing it in a timely fashion that allows the candidate to stay viable. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I have about 75 different parts to my job, you know, and an in-house recruiter across the board is going to have, you know, more than two jobs, you know, that yeah. they're responsible, more than two hats that they wear. From a firm standpoint, you know, you may have more clients than just me. And I understand that. But, you know, you're usually looking for clients in a cluster, you know, whether it be family medicine or, or hospitalist or whatever it may be, but your focus is generally kind of singular. You know, you're mm -hmm. looking at candidates and you're trying to disseminate, okay, that candidate goes to this client, this one's a better fit over here, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm, on the other hand, spinning 57 plates and somebody's adding 10 more, you know, every hour in terms of what's, you know, what's happening. So as Harold said, I can't get back to you um, as fast as I would like to. But I think, I don't know if Harold would agree, but I think I get back to people pretty quickly with a clearance. Yeah, that person's clear. Send over the present. Yeah, we looked at it. No, not, it's not somebody that, you know, that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, it's, not a, it's not a fit. You know, and then Harold said, well, why is it not a fit? We, you know, we have the parameters. Why is it not a fit? And I'll give, you know, give him the reasons if, if something's changed in the parameters or something's happened um, that, that gives him, you know, an idea of, of how to whittle it down a little bit more or maybe, you know, look for some different parameters for the candidates that, you know, that we might have changed now in a week or, or two weeks. Yeah. Um, Einstein is still new to the locums game. We don't do a lot of locums compared to what I, you know, came from, from Wellspan. Um, and so they're still very much kind of as Harold knows and has, has seen, you know, we get a lot of fits and starts and a lots of, you know, Hey, Harold, find me a breast imaging, you know, radiologist. And then, Oh, sorry, I got canceled, you know, in like five days, yeah. you know, because they don't know what they're doing. And I'm still educating the system as to how, how we do it. You know, if you tell me to go to market, I have enough people at my beck and call 
to go to market within an hour. Mm -hmm. And I will have candidates within five hours, you know, from that standpoint. So it's, it's a, you know, that's a, a particularly, you know, worrisome part for me because we, I have to ask them, are you ready to see candidates? Well, no, we're not ready to see candidates. We don't want to see, we just want to see what's out there. And I'm like, we can't do that. That's not how it works. You know, you have to have a bona fide, you know, assignment and ready to go. Cause I, you know, I hate having those phone calls with Harold when I call him up and say, Hey buddy, uh, you know, that one we were working on, uh, we're not working on it anymore. <laughs> so yeah. it's done. Well, Steve, listen, that's, that's cause we do perm and locums and that's part of the locums business that you do that. And that's just part of our service. When we go, when we go in, that's, that's one of the, the 10 things we have to go in and give service and we have to do it from a very selfless position, understanding that, you know, we're providing this to the client so that they have an option and they may, may never pick up on that option and it changes. Mm-hmm. And it, what, whether that that's Steve or any other recruiter or practice administrator or CEO, this, this is very, very common that things change. Uh, uh, a big issue, you know, I just had this happen down in the Carolinas that we had set up coverage for psychiatry, uh, inpatient psychiatry for a year. And the, and the gentleman that was going to the site, head of psychiatry is going to retire, decided not to retire. Yeah. So they just didn't need someone. And, and that's fine. That's just part of a partnership. And I always say when you go through as a firm, you know, that's part of the ground rules. We need to explain that to the client and, you know, go to Steve. Steve, I understand the ground rules. Uh, I, I am not going to look at you in any any way other than a positive manner at, through this, even if you have to change that, because I understand those are things beyond your control. Mutual respect, but I have to respect the fact that Steve is making the right decision for my client, and my client should always come first. I should want him to make the right decision, and then I should always go forward working with him and make what I think is the right decision for Steve or my client. You know, as part of being a partner, that's their final decision. But if we build a good partnership, it's the right kind of partnership. After a while, I'm going to know what they want me to do to make the right decision. And the right decision is what's best for their patients, their facility mm-hmm. uh, uh, moving forward. And Steve, how do you decide what um, candidates that you take on internally and then ones that you try and find with a firm? Most of the time that comes down to the specialty that we're looking for and what over 18 years I've determined to be the pool size. So if I'm looking for child neurology, you know, it's a high, high demand specialty in the United States, but the pool of candidates that, that I know I have access to is probably tiny you know, in terms of the reach that I would have. And in most of those child neurology searches, as Harold can attest to, you're usually kind of talking somebody out of one job and into another and maybe moving states um, versus finding, you know, six or 10 of them in, in the city in which you live or are recruiting to. Yeah. So I think a lot of the time, you know, and Harold and I always chuckle about this because, you know, I reach out to Harold when I have my most difficult searches, you know, when I know it's an, a needle in a needle stack kind of search. I'm like, hey, I could use some help over here finding a one-legged, you know, ophthalmologist with blue eyes. And then he's like, all right, well, we'll give it a shot and see if we can find one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, I, you know, I have this conversation with, with – I've had this conversation with other companies over the many years 
I'm not going to give you family medicine and we can take H1Bs, you know, and make it like a layup. Um, I will, if I'm doing, you know, volume with people, I will throw quotes, an easy one in there, you know. Um, but really for me, it's always been about the fact that if the firm wants to help, then they'll help when we need it the most. Yeah. Um, and so we get to a point where there are just searches we've had open a year, two years, three years, and we just can't find any other traction. You know, we can't source anywhere else um, on our own. And so we'll bring in, you know, we'll bring in a firm, uh, um, you know, to help us with that. Um, it, as Harold knows, I'm a pretty good recruiter. So getting the opportunity with me, I have to be able to cry uncle myself to say, you know what, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this one. That doesn't happen very often, but certainly, you know, from volume standpoint, if I have 30 searches, I'm, I'm no good, you know, mm -hmm. at, at 30 searches. Um, I'm better at 20 and then, you know, giving Harold 10 and saying, you know, these are the, the hardest ones and this is what I want you to work on, you know, and, and work that way. Um, but I think for, you know, for some people, you'd have to realize what your own threshold is, how effective you are at that threshold. And then anything above that threshold, is it really actually hurting you to continue to kind of try and hold on to those searches without giving them to a firm, um, you know, to assist you? Because I think in the, in the long run, you, you end up hurting yourself with too many. Yeah. But I see that when people do it, it usually it comes down to what their workload is. And then I would add in a sense of urgency when it is a, a mission critical, especially on the perm side, uh, because we do perm and locums and, and locums is is a necessary part of this business for uh, healthcare facilities. Uh, but it can be an expensive option. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reason it exists is because uh, we deal with people and you never know when people are going to leave. You never know, you know, you have certain parts of the country that are seeing a huge influx of people moving from major metropolitan areas to a little bit more uh, uh, suburbia and rural areas and things like that. And then all of a sudden they need the physicians. So they go like, wow, we have, we went from having, you know, a, a sustainable, manageable uh, recruitment to uh, our orthopedic, our whole orthopedic group just left and we need mm -hmm. eight orthopedic surgeons. Well, orthopedic surgery is, if not the top, one of the top revenue generators, DRGs in a system, if you're missing eight orthopedic surgeons, I mean, that could be. 60 to $80 million in inpatient revenue for a facility. Yeah. So that's when they bring in, you know, people like us uh, to come in and help. And you uh, see that and, in, COVID, in COVID time, you know, you see that yeah. now with, with, I need five pulmonologists tomorrow, yeah. you know, and either perm or locums it's, it's, you know, COVID's pushed us into that, that mentality. It's not normal to need, you know, 15 GIs to, to build up your group. I mean, your retention program is probably terrible if you need 15 GIs to yeah. replace the ones oh, you yeah. have. But, um, you know, COVID's definitely pushed the limits in terms of what we need and when we need it. 
So Steve, a lot of our listeners are hospital administrators, and so any of the health systems and clinics, hospitals listening to this episode, what advice would you give them when they're ready to partner with a physician recruitment firm? What should they look for? Um, Well, I think you look for a couple of things. You look for longevity. You know, you're looking for people who have done the job for a while, um, who have a track record, who can prove to you that they've made, you know, not only placements in your state, but in your city or your town, you know, whatever it may be, um, that can give you good references, you know, that can speak to the caliber of your work and your abilities to get the job done. Um, I think this, the firm, you need to ask the firm about data, you know, how long does it take them to fill their average searches? What does that look like by specialty? You know, how long does it take for a neurosurgeon versus a family practice doctor? You know, I always ask about, you know, what are their top searches right now that they're working on? Um, You know, there are a lot of times when, you know, one or two recruiters feed, you know, 40 different clients and your mail piece or your social, you know, networking campaign or whatever goes to feed other situations. And I don't have a problem with that. You just have to know that up front, you know, to, to Harold's point, you just have to get the ground rules, you know, established. But I think, you, you know, the, the referencing and then, you know, for us on the inside, we talk to each other, you know, mm-hmm. hey, what do you know about Pacific companies? Have you worked with them? Have they been successful? Were they easy to deal with? Um, you know, who's their marketer? Who's their, you know, who's their recruiters? You know, do you, do you recommend anybody, you know, within the firm that was particularly good um, at listening to you, at getting, you know, the information, at presenting candidates in a timely manner? Because really, you know, you're trying to, maintain it's it's a it's a symbiotic relationship okay it goes both ways but ultimately i'm not i don't work for the firm you know so i'm not at the point where as harold said you call me up 40 times in the day to ask me questions about cvs you've written you've sent over that i don't you know like i don't have another job to do um so it's it's about me bringing you onto my team right you're coming to work for my organization to represent my organization as an extension of me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if I'm vouching for somebody, if I'm saying this company can get the job done, then, you know, Harold already knows that about me. I'm, you know, I say that all the time. And then I go to Harold, I go, okay, we got to get the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's the, that's the charge, you know, that I, that I have with him when I, when I talk to him and he knows that he's, I mean, I don't think he's sitting around waiting just to grab contracts and see how many he can stack on his desk. He wants mm-hmm. to get the job done. So, you know, it becomes important for you to interview the firm. You know, it's important for you to ask questions about their productivity, um, about their, you know, length of contract in terms of, you know, how long does it take from the time you sign to the time you, you place, how the structure is, is in place, how many recruiters are assigned to your search, you know, how many recruiters, you know, have been with you for a year, five years, 10 years, um, I know all the physician recruiters at Pacific companies have been there about a year. Three weeks. Three weeks. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's an interview process like you would for any other service that you're trying to, um, you're trying to hire, you know, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're getting, you know, what's, uh, what's, what's built. You know, yeah. if you say you can do the job, then you better do the job. Amen to that. And Steve, 
thank you so much for giving us your time today and letting us pick your brain on this subject. We really appreciate it. No, no, my, my pleasure. Uh, a shout out to, to uh, Horatio and a shout out to Ian and a shout nice. out to David Rubio and John and uh, the King and uh, Gary and Patrick. I miss you guys. I'm going to try and come to California uh, next month and stop by the office and say hello. Yay. Perfect. All right, guys. Okay. Take, okay. Care. Take care, buddy. All the best. Bye, guys. Thanks, Summer. Bye-bye. No problem. Bye. Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And a big thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast could not be possible. If you would like to be a guest, go to www.pacificcompanies.com. Thank you.